Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to Patreon.com slash True Crime Wives and get lots of great extras. Good Wives Guide to True Crime. We discuss crimes that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us again. We're sorry for the uh, delay, but a couple of us ended up with some medical issues, including myself. Um, We also had some family things that we... Uh, got in the way. Um, so we weren't able to release the second part of our Durst series right away after our first. But here we are, and we are ready to wrap the craziness of Durst all up for you. Last time we left off just as Durst's wife Kathy went missing. Tonight we'll be looking at the aftermath of that and how Durst managed to stay out of the grasp of law enforcement for all these years. It only gets stranger from here, so buckle up and hang on. You're in for a wild ride. Hey folks, it's time to grab your glass of wine because the good wives, Fancy, Colleen, and Christina are about to serve up another true crime case. Alrighty guys, so Kathleen Durst has just gone missing. Her friends believe her husband is 100% culpable, but this guy takes hiding out from the law to great lengths by going on the run and deciding to turn himself into a mute woman and runs halfway across the country. It's just one of those things that you just don't expect. You know, you expect somebody to go on the land, maybe flee the country, especially he's got the money. He's got the money. Like, why didn't he go to Europe or something or some str- some some place that doesn't have extradition? Like, Wait, just ditch. Thing. Just ditch. You can be a rich, weird, old white man in Europe somewhere. In Europe somewhere. Belize is nice. You know, I don't know. No. Texas as a mute woman. As a mute woman. As an ugly mute woman. woman. And then, not only that, but then he, sometimes he shows up as a mute man who visits the mute woman. And sometimes he shows up as himself, Durst. Like, what is this guy doing? Like, this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. And in the end, he is his own undoing. Oh, God. And in the trail of people that he lives behind, leaves behind him, is close to the Vallow Daybells. Like, seriously. I mean, wow. Don't go anywhere. The Good Wives will be right back. If you've been listening to our podcast for some time, then you've probably noticed that there's been some different changes going on. And that's because we've recently switched over to our new hosting platform using Buzzsprout. And we love it. 
It could not have been a smoother transition. Buzzsprout has made it super simple and gave us amazing features we weren't getting before. So if you've been thinking of hosting a podcast or you're looking for a new host, then we totally recommend giving Buzzsprout a try. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and even Pandora within minutes of finishing your recording. So join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. And if you follow the link in the show notes, that lets Buzzsprout know we sent you. And it helps you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And it helps support our show. In every episode, we like to serve up a special dish from the state that our crime takes place. So here's our resident Cajun Mama Thai to tell you what our true crime dish of the week is. Hey guys, it's me, Cajun Mama Thai. I hope you can hear the Cajun music in the background. I'm sitting here on my front porch looking at the swamp and you know South Louisiana is the best place to be. We've had our struggles over these last few months as everybody else has had in the world, but we still have our beautiful land here. And so I'm so excited to be back and to be able to enjoy myself and to enjoy giving you guys some Cajun music, some Cajun recipes, and some Cajun words. So today, we're gonna go back to South Louisiana and I'll give you a recipe for what we call Tata Bouilly, which is a simple vanilla custard. So hang on tight, listen to the good wives, and soon I'll give you the recipe. It's very simple and easy to make and so delicious. And then wait for the French word. I will be talking about a French word as well. So Cajun Mama Thai is back. Can't wait to continue our journey together. Thanks, good wives, for allowing me back. Now, if you remember where we left off, Durst had claimed the last time he saw his wife, Kathleen, was when he dropped her off at the train station in Katona and was heading out there at, for the 9.15 train into the city. And he goes on to allege the last time he spoke with her was when she called him later that night at the Riverside Drive apartment. And then on February 4th, Durst stated that the supervisor from the school Kathy was attending called him stating Kathy had called in sick on February 1st and she'd been absent all week. That sounds super fishy to me. Like, do schools really make a habit of calling people's houses when they don't attend? Especially, like, if you're, like, I understand, high school, junior high school, kids, like, okay, get it, I got it. You're, you're, everybody's gotten that call, phone call if you're a parent. You're like, your child has missed, the, has missed school today, right? Okay, yeah, I get that. But this, like, she, this is a like master's program. Rich, well, isn't she in medical school? Yes. 
Like they're not calling anybody. <laughs> You're an adult. They don't, I don't, there were several lectures that Tim and I did not go to. My professor did not call my parents. <laughs> my husband, right? <laughs> they did not call. In fact, I'm pretty sure there were several classes because they posted the PowerPoint online and attendance wasn't taken that I didn't show up all semester. I mean, I understand this is way before all of that, but still, I mean, like, I just don't see it happening. Mary, a small school. I, I personally think he probably called the school himself and was like, hi, my wife is missing. Could you confirm that she's not been at school? I don't know. Maybe they really did call, but this just seems, this seems a bit fishy to me. This is one of the things in this story that I'm like, really? Really? Wow. What a weird thing for you to tell people, but okay. <laughs> oh, right. And so on February 5th, Durst reports his wife missing, uh, and the police already know the story is riddled with holes. Right. And I mean, it involves his seven dogs and the, I mean, it just, we talked about it in the first episode, we went into great detail about all of this. It was crazy. Like the story is just bananas. So, you know, eight years pass. And Durst files for divorce from Kathy, claiming spousal abandonment. But he doesn't want to declare her dead. So how his her family in 2016, they file a petition to legally declare her dead. And the request was approved like a year later. So Kathleen's mother, Ann McCormick, she decides she's going to sue Durst for $100 million, alleging that he killed Kathy and deprived them of the right to bury her, you know, because... Like that's, that's the one thing like, and these are, these are very religious families. Like these are people that, you know, have the, I believe that like, if they can't bury their the dead, then, you know, they don't go on and all these different things, you know? So this family has been ripped apart by this, unable to ever have peace, you know, by this man. And basically the whole family believes Kathy to be dead and her sisters have continued in the quest for justice, even after that both their parents have passed away. The New York state police quietly, reopened the criminal investigation into the disappearance in 1999 and they go on to search Durst's former South Salem residence for the first time and the investigation became public in November 2000. So we have it keep opening and kind of doing more and more a little bit of investigation but we've gotten nowhere really. Right and that's the thing is that they still don't know what's happened. I mean all we know is one sentence that this man spits out Right. And that's it. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And family and friends and hearing uh, Kathy's siblings mm-hmm. talk is heartbreaking. It is. It, especially if the, this isn't just like a normal disappearance. Like Durst is suspicious as hell. Right. His and family. he has the money to just keep keep throwing money at this, you know? And that's like, that's the problem. And, and the other thing is, is that he's just weird. I mean, super, super strange. Um. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I still believe that maybe if they had been able to stay where their little, their little store was and he didn't have to come home and do all the corporate stuff and be this like, you know, public figure with the wife that had to be, you know, part of that. She didn't really want to live that life. She was interested in the small town little guy, you know, that wanted to run a health nut store, you know, like, I wonder if we would still be here, but here we are. <laughs> right. Decisions have been made. Mm-hmm. and. Oh, for decades. And so in August of 2019, when Carol, Kathy's sister, um, filed the lawsuit for wrongful death, uh, 
and it accused him of murdering his wife, but it was dismissed on the grounds that she had waited too long to file the suit. Um, the death date for Kathy uh, has been changed, the most likely at the time of her disappearance in 1982, uh, instead of the previous determination from the 1987 from missing person, so they have right. changed it to murder. So they've changed it to murder, right? So they've gone back and they've taken it all the way back to 1982. So, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. So since 1982, they don't know where this poor girl is, you know, and it, it's sad. It's really sad because it didn't need to end this way. You know, she wasn't looking for some big payout from him or anything. She just, she just wanted to be free of him because he, they just, they weren't compatible the way he's just a weird guy. And right. he starts a, and he's taken, you know, he's basically like silenced anybody who knows anything. Don't go anywhere. The Good Wives will be right back. What if you could be a true crime detective right from the comfort of your own home? Dispatch is an interactive serial mystery that unfolds over several months. Imagine the experience of an escape room in your own home. A new kind of escape called Dispatch. It's a subscription box that's a step apart from everyday entertainment. Better than a book, more engaging than television. Think of it as an immersive mystery where you wear the detective hat. The story begins with your first delivery, or dispatch, if you will. In it, you'll find physical clues that lead you to the web and back to the real world to unravel a mysterious crime. Grab a friend, the whole family, and your thinking cap and get ready to put your heads together for one mind-bending ride, as additional details are revealed with every package. Head over to our Instagram at www.instagram.com slash truecrimewives and click on the link in our bio. Then choose the dispatch button to start your own true crime adventure today. Oh, Lord, I'm back. It's Cajun Mama Ty. But I had to tell, I have to tell y'all, I had to stop that Cajun music. I couldn't think with that Cajun music. It was just making me want to tap my toes, stomp my feet, and snap my fingers. I wouldn't have been able to give you the recipe. So, for a little while, we're going to stop the Cajun music, okay? If that's all right with you, we're going to do that. And so, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to give you the recipe for a bouillie. A bouilli is a custard. It's a pudding. A vanilla pudding is what it is. But you can make it anything. You can make a vanilla pudding. You can make a chocolate pudding. You can make a mint pudding. Whatever kind of pudding you want to make, you can make it with this recipe. You just add whatever you want. That's how Cajuns do it. We add whatever we want to the the mixture we got and we come up with awesome food so the ingredients you're gonna need are you're gonna need milk you're gonna need vanilla extract want to make sure you use that pure vanilla extract because that's the good stuff and we're gonna use butter we're gonna use eggs we're gonna use white sugar and we're gonna need some cornstarch to thicken up, to thicken up that pudding. So you're gonna get your pot, or I guess the technical term would be a saucepan. So we're gonna get a pot 
and we're going to put it on the stove and we're going to put it over a medium heat. On there we're going to put our milk and our extract and our butter and we're going to simmer that, okay? So you don't want to boil it. You want to just make it get hot. Then you're going to put that aside a little while and in another in a bowl you want to mix your eggs, your sugar, your cornstarch all together. But you want to mix that till the sugar dissolves with the eggs and get that all good. Then you want to lower your fire on your um your milk to low and slowly pour in your egg mixture whisking your custard a little bit at a time until it becomes thick and it coats the bottom of the spoon usually takes about five ten minutes and that's it once you got that cooked you take it off the fire you put them in some little bowls you get you some jacks vanilla wafers Whoo-wee. That is delicious. Now, like I said before, a tata bouilli would be a custard pie. Now, a tata bouilli, you would have to make a tart. You would have to make a, a pie crust and fill with the bouilli inside the pie crust and bake it in the oven. But as a Cajun girl, Little girl, my whole life, I always ate bouilli with Jack's vanilla wafers. Can't beat that. But I can't wait to join y'all and be able to give y'all more recipes. It is going to be so much fun. Thank you guys for letting me come back. And I'll talk to you later. another great recipe. For the full recipe that was shared tonight, join us at our exclusive membership club at www.patreon.com slash truecrimewives. So that the next part of the story brings us to the longtime friend, Susan Berman. And what's interesting about Susan, we kind of mentioned this in the in before, is she is the daughter of notorious gangster David Berman, who in the 40s rang the Flamingo Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. So I'm assuming she's like no shrinking violent, right? She's probably seen her own fair share of murder and mayhem. And she is who provides Durst with a public alibi in the disappearance of his wife, only to be thanked by becoming the next person in the, in the wake that Durst leaves behind. And it only gets more bizarre. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. I think <laughs> we say that for every case and every single step and more bizarre. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. And you wait, can't. there's more. Like, you know, like, <laughs> Right, so she's uh, this longtime best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they communicate, and unfortunately, in two thousand, 
she is found dead when her neighbors report that her back door is left open with her three little dogs are running loose and she loved those dogs yes um and she's actually found murdered execution style in her la home and so remember now in the where we are in this country he's gone from new york to the other side of the country in California. Mm -hmm. And this isn't the only thing that you'll hear about in California. There's some other information on different case and another little case here that we do at the end that we'll talk about at the end, because it doesn't really fall into the Kathleen part of this, but there is a whole nother thing that happens in California. So his time in California is extremely suspicious guy is just creepy as F, you know, like seriously. And then, this this woman, you know, there there she's thought to be the woman. Um, there's allegings that she is the one who walked into, you know, the um, the place where Kathy was staying and dressed up like Kathy so that the doorman would see her. She's also alleged to maybe have made the phone call that they had. You know, I mean, she's she's highly highly involved in this. So and she's silent for years and years and years and years. You know. Um, but this is crazy. So a few days later, the Beverly Hills Police Department received a handwritten note postmarked December 23rd, which contained Berman's address and the word cadaver. Now, Durst is known to have been in Northern California days before Berman was killed and to have flown from San Francisco to New York the night before Berman's body was discovered. So it's crazy. Like, well, cadaver? What the hell is this? Like, his wife's word? in medical school. Cadaver means dead body. Right, like so, like you but are. Who uses that term to talk about it, like in real life? Like I understand it in a technical sense, yes. But do you really go around using the word cadaver? Like no. I mean, maybe he f- has seen some of Kathy's books and was reading it about you know dead bodies. Maybe he thought if he wrote that instead of you know dead. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps. You know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, it would be less, you know, likely that, oh, Durst never uses the word cadaver. It must not have been him. Right. Oh, he was in Northern California, not Southern. Southern. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so Berman had recently received $50,000 from Durst in two payments. Although he says that he, he told the LAPD that he had sent her 25,000 and he faxed investigators a copy of her 1982 deposition regarding his missing wife. And he declines to be further questioned about Berman's murder. Like, no, 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 thank you. I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, no, thank you. Like, well, when does this happen? And to tell the police, like, yeah, here's where she testified about my missing wife. 
and I gave her $25,000. Like, why? Like, that's not weird. Like, what? Like, yes, I gave her $25,000, and here's the depot from her. Well, wait a minute. Did you give her $25,000 because she was going to change her story? What, what, what is the significance of these two things being done at the same time? Like, you, you didn't have to send either one of those. You just could have been like, Oh, my long-term friend. Oh, Oh, you know, she was down on her luck and I was just sending her money to pay our bills or, you know, whatever. Like, it's just so funny. So then he says in a 2005 deposition that Berman called him shortly before her death to say that the LAPD wanted to talk to her about McCormick's death, Kathy's death. And so a study of case notes by The Guardian cast doubt on whether the LAPD had even made such a call or whether then West, Westchester County District Attorney Janine Pirro had even scheduled an interview with Berman at all. So at this time, Durst decides to head off to Calpison, Texas in 2000, and he lives in a boarding house as he had gone into hiding. And this is where he begins posing as a woman to avoid police inquiries. And <laughs> so he's tipped off to the reopened investigation in his wife's disappearance on October 31st, 2000, and immediately began planning for life as a fugitive. So like, like he really freaking immediately was like, oh, this is it. And it's <laughs> not like they, nobody has revoked his passport. He's not under arrest. I just don't, where is he leave. going? Leave. <laughs> just leave. <laughs> just leave. Nobody... Nobody is putting you under house arrest, sir. You don't need to go into hiding as a mute woman. And so what people have kind of discussed is that uh, Berman's biographer, Kathy Scott, had said that Durst had killed Susan because she knew too much about Kathy's disappearance, which, like we said, super, super likely that she knew that Kathy was gone and why she wasn't gone <laughs> i mean if she's you know allegedly dressing up as kathy for the doorman she knows that kathy is not gonna be walking past that doorman <laughs> right like this is not she's 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 not confused as to what happened to kathy let's just say that you know like and that's the thing like i don't understand these people that are friends with people like this but i guess you know she lives the mobster daughter's life so it's like i guess probably death and people like that are common to her but for me like if somebody were to say even if my best friend came to me and was like hey so i murdered someone last night i'd be like what oh okay um click Bye. Texting nine one one. Nine one one. My friend killed somebody last night. I mean, I'm not like a snitch, snitch, but if you killed somebody, um, right? I'm this not isn't you stole the candy bar. I'm not participating in this. I'm not participating. So, Colleen, if you kill somebody, I'm not coming to to same. bail you out, girlfriend. Not doing. Same. It. We're not. We're not hiding bodies together. No. Same. 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 And it's not like Susan was an innocent angel. She did have problems in her life, but nobody asks to be murdered, no. and especially for being a good friend. Right. <laughs> like she's a good friend for decades, and this is how Durst repays her. Right. And like so, there's, and there's no was, proof that she was going to say anything. You know, she. Why would she start talking then? It's going to implicate her. Right. She would get in trouble and most likely not be able to keep said money and have to spend it for legal defenses. Right. right. And so what happens now is that Durst decides 
from New York, he is now going to go to Galveston, Texas, and assume several different identities, mostly being a mute woman named Dorothy Kiner. And he also posed as that mute man, being the house guest, and also being Durst. <laughs> so who in the hell knows what's going on during all of that? But Dorothy... She makes friends with her across-the-hall neighbor, a 71-year-old old man, Morris Black, and for all his trouble, ends up with no head. That's what I said, no head. The body's found, and no head is ever located, and there is a trail of blood, literally a trail of blood, that goes directly between the hallway of the two apartments, and yet the man still slips prosecution. He is brought in when body parts of Black starts turning up in the Galveston Bay. And... He alleges self-defense. Like, really? Self-defense? You cut a person up, hacked them up, no head, and threw them in the bay, and that's self-defense? Right. Like, we have said this probably for every murder case, is that when it is an accident, you don't start thinking, okay, how can I hide the body? How can I get rid (laughs) of the body? You then call 911. You do something. So we just recently talked about this in our uh, Murder by Design episode regarding natalie holloway and if uh vandersloot were you know has killed her on accident or if natalie passed away due to drug overdose intoxication that if you are just even a stranger drops dead next to you you don't think okay i'm gonna bury the body now i'm gonna get 15 different stories you will call I mean, okay, so here's my question, though. You say this, and yet you think that Scott Peterson is not guilty. And by this logic, if Scott Peterson you think is not guilty, then Scott Peterson would not have done all the things that he did after his wife went missing. He did never change his story. He did change his story! He did not! He did? He went, no, he went to the marina, he went say boat, came home, took a shower. Um, okay, but he left out the fact that he had a mistress. He left out the fact that he was lying to the mistress and telling her that he was in freaking Paris while he was at her vigil. Well, again, he, shitty wife does not mean murder. Shitty, shitty wife? W- shitty husband? Or, shitty, shitty. Right, shitty, right, shitty husband does not mean murder. Okay, lying but about, shitty... Shitty husband whose wife is found dead? I'm sorry. That is not normal behavior. But this isn't... But It's totally different because he kept with the same story and he didn't... I don't believe that he hid her body because I don't believe he did it. But Durst kills his wife, never finds the body, kills his friend, and then... Goes down to some obscurity town in Texas, kills his neighbor, says, yep, self-defense, but then I hacked his body up and threw it into the bay. And he says that it is self-defense that he uh, and the very angry loner Black, which that's not in question, Black was very angry and a loner. Uh, engaged in a power struggle over a twenty-two caliber pistol and that the gun just went off. But because he, then he dismembers the body in a panic and threw him into the bay. Ah, oh, jeez, Joseph and Mary. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know the whole thing with Scott Peterson. And we will be talking about that, guys, um, here in a couple of weeks 
we will be doing that on our podcast as a head-to-head between me and Colleen and trying to convince Christina, who stands on the fence, as to what she thinks really happened. So you guys are going to turn it, tune into that. That's going to be happening sometime in August. Um, we are wrapping up our season two of The Good Wives Guide to True Crime with that head-to-head, so you're going to love that. But if you haven't, checked out yet we will have done a web sleuths um, episode over on web sleuths youtube about this a little bit about um, scott peterson and a little bit about gypsy rose blanchard so you guys should go check that one out too um, but back to durst here so he gets this defense attorney the defense attorney employs a psychiatrist dr milton i'm gonna try this last name i'm sure i'm gonna butcher it but altschluer and who, after spending 70 hours in that interviewing, and that's a lot of hours in viewing, interviewing a person. That is not normal for a case like this. Normally, they spend maybe three to four hours with a person, make an assessment. But this guy spends 70 hours interviewing and assessing Durst, and he comes to the conclusion that his whole life could be summed up with the diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome, what is now under the umbrella of autism spectrum disorder. We have heard this in so many cases, like, and I feel like a lot of times this gets used as a, a, a reasoning and I don't feel it is a reasoning, but in this case, I this mean, guy does Durst, display very, yes, these type of tendencies. Got, yes. So in Asperger's, there's a lot of antisocial mm-hmm. and social situation anxiety and, uh, just there's a lot of social situational things, which is definitely true for Durst. But Durst also has these outward characteristics of just being on the off side, that something is not clicking right in his mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and But because he had uh, the head was never discovered by prosecutors of Mr. Black, uh, Durst was actually acquitted. Of the charges of murder. Yeah, because because they basically said, you know, um, they had a horrible time discounting Durst's timeline of events. So in 2003, he's he's acquitted on the charges of murder. <laughs> Which is insanity. He cut up a body and threw it into the bay. Nothing. So, well, not necessarily nothing. In 2004, he did, however, plead guilty to two counts of bail jumping and one count of evidence tampering because when they first arrested him for Black's murder, he was released on a $300,000 bail and fled. So he was caught inside a Wegham's supermarket in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So he's in Pennsylvania now, still wearing a wig and a dress after trying to shoplift Band-Aids, a newspaper, and a chicken salad sandwich with roasted red peppers on a pumpernickel baguette, even though this man has $500 cash in his pocket. And so then the police go out, they search his rental car, they find $37,000 in cash, two guns, marijuana, black driver's license, and here it is, directions to Gilberte and Jimmy's home in Connecticut, which if you remember from before, that was Kathy's very good friend. So was he going to go kill her next? Like seriously? But this guy, he's stealing a pumpernickel freaking chicken salad sandwich and band-aids and he's got all this $37,500 in cash. And I think, you know, in uh, the jinx, he says that he just thought he could just get away with it since he yeah. like essentially got away from the murder. So he's yeah. like, I'm just going to see if I can just steal this. Right. Kind of, well, so, just pay for the sandwich. 
go to McDonald's, go through a fast food. Do so something. he does do some time. I mean, but he basically gets, you know, like, like time served and bullshit. It's, it's crap. And during the time on his run, he, uh, time on the run, he basically uses this time to stalk his brother Douglas. Like, and he goes and like, he visits the driveway on his home in Catanoa, New York while armed. Like, so he stands out there armed on his brother's, you know, driveway. Like they have serious sibling rivalry, serious sibling problems. Douglas inherited the entire, you know, Durst um, empire and legacy and everything. And so they've had some major freaking issues, even though Robert, you know, didn't want to freaking be part of the company. I mean, he still wants to be able to do what he wants to do and have the money. He just didn't want to have to actually participate right. in have doing anything. Right. No responsibilities. I mean, this is just insanity. <laughs> and so a part of his plea bargain is that he receives five years and was given credit for the time he did serve, requiring him to serve three years in prison. Uh, and on July 15, 2005, he was paroled. But there are, of course, some rules of parole, and it required to s- him to stay near his home. Uh, but permission was reco- uh, required to travel. Uh, in that December of 2005, Durst made an unauthorized trip to the boarding house where Black had been killed and to shop- a shopping mall. But why? What is he doing there? possibly getting rid of more evidence who knows and at the mall he runs into former galveston trial judge susan chris who had presided over his trial and due to this incident the texas board of pardons and paroles determined that durst had violated the terms of his parole and they return him to jail so he was released again from custody on march 1st 2006 like oh this reminds me of so many other stories where they're in and out of jail they're in and out of jail like if you just kept them in jail perhaps maybe things wouldn't be happening i don't right know i don't know he and so in uh so in march of 2015 judge chris is asked whether she believed durst murdered black and this is lovely she said you could see that this person knew what they were doing and that it was not a first time the body was cut perfectly like a surgeon who knew how to use this tool on this bone and a certain kind of tool on that muscle it looked like not a first time job that was pretty scary so obviously, I mean, could it possibly be because he was married to a woman who wanted to be a doctor? Well, and so I think this goes to the back long lines of using the word cadaver that after mm-hmm. he killed Kathy, mm-hmm. that he looked in her medical books on how to uh, perform an autopsy, which tells you how, and how to right. you know, dismember and cut apart joints and surgery. I'm sure he read about it, especially people with, who are on the autism spectrum, high IQ. High, high intelligence high intelligence so, and so and so he and he's not a dumb guy no so, he's extremely smart he's wicked smart if you listen to him talk he's very very smart you know extremely and so if him reading his textbooks learning how to do it performs it on his wife so he knows how to do it and then knows right. how to finds a way to dispose of the body without any evidence mm-hmm. and then you know i'm sure he never got rid of those books and continued to learn and educate and like she said, I'm sure it was not his first time and most likely was not his second or third. No, I'm sure there's other people involved. I think there's other other murderers in this. I think he's a serial killer, to be honest with you. I, I really, truly believe that he, he left a wake of people and we probably don't even know certain people that were connected to him. Don't go anywhere. The Good Wives will be right back. So you often hear NCS Good Wives sipping a glass of wine. 
And one of our favorite wine clubs is California Wine Club. California Wine Club only works with small wineries and they hand select two bottles of wine each month and ship them straight to your door. Now, you don't even have to go to the liquor store to have a sip of bubbly with us. How cool is that? We absolutely love hearing from our listeners, and we'd like to invite you to send us a question for us to answer or a case you'd like us to cover. You can drop us an email at goodwivesdish at gmail.com, and we might feature it in one of our next episodes and give you a shout out. Right now, we are also hosting our Hashtag Love Wins Scholarship Fund. If you're a college-age student who would like to enter, send us a 30-second video telling us about how you lead with love. Email your entry to us with a little bio about yourself and your educational goals. And if you'd like to learn more about our hashtag Love Wins Campaign for Peace, merchandise, or donation details, go check out our informational video on youtube.com slash murderbydesign. We look forward to hearing from you. Alrighty, in early 2015, a six-part HBO documentary titled The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst, described circumstantial evidence linking to Durst, linking Durst to the murders of Berman, who was believed to have been have knowledge of Nicormick's disappearance, right? So the documentary details the disappearance of Kathy and Berman's sub- subsequent death and the killing of Black. And let me tell you, that is an amazing, amazing, amazing documentary if you haven't seen it and you want to know more about this case you definitely want to check out the jinx like seriously and it's not like so uh fancy has convinced me to watch this because i was like there's it just seems like a boring case i don't really know much the show did a really good job of keeping you entertained Mm -hmm. while being very true crime-esque yeah so great great job hbo i really really love it and so against the advice of his lawyers and his wife his new wife you know deborah lee charton durst gives multiple interviews and unrestricted access to his personal records to the filmmakers and the fbi arrested durst in new orleans on the same day as the final episode was broadcast so the documentary ends with him moving into a bathroom where his microphone recorded him seemingly saying to himself, so he's got a hot mic basically. And he's like, there it is. You're caught. You're right. Of course, but you can't even imagine arrest him. I don't know what's in the house. Oh, I want this. What a disaster. He was right. I was wrong. And the burping I'm having difficulty with the question. What the hell did I do? Killed them all. Of course. So I'm going to tell you what I think about this. I feel that he He's having a conversation with a person in his head. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, I don't, I, I'm not a person who like, I'm very, very, I, it's not that I don't believe multiple personalities exist. I totally do. But I think that lots of people, um, believe that they think that maybe they can get away with it by saying that, like, I don't know, Nicholas go to John, but anyway, um, because I don't believe that Nicholas Gotajan had a 500-year-old vampire living inside of him. And I don't think he believed that he had a 500-year-old vampire living inside of him. I think he just said that. And then he went with it. You know? I mean, seriously. But, but, in this case, I truly believe this man has a mental disorder and he is talking to some sort of thing in his head. Well, I so having a conversation. I believe he has schizophrenia. And yeah. there are different types of schizophrenia. A lot of times we think of like the paranoid schizophrenic who mm-hmm. very much on edge on the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but schizophrenia, it's a disorder that affects a person's ability to think, feel, and behave clearly. We don't know the cause, but it's suspect of genetics, environment, altered brain right. chemistry. But a big, big symptom 
is that they are characterized by thoughts or experiences that seem out of touch with reality, disorganized speech or behavior, mm-hmm. and uh, difficulty concentrating and memory. So, mm-hmm. him talking to somebody in his head mm-hmm. about different things because he's, you know, saying, There it is, you're caught. And, like, I mean, I've said, like, God damn it, Colleen. Right, uh, right, absolutely. Everybody had that conversation. But he's actually answering himself. There it is, you're caught. You're right, of course. But you can't even imagine. Arrest him. Like, it's literally back and forth. This is a conversation. This is not just him mumbling to himself as he thinks. This this is a conversation. conversation. And it's like, I guarantee you, there's more that was going on. We only heard parts of it that he was saying. You know, like, in his head, there was a whole freaking thing happening while his mic was hot like this guy right. and, and i and, and that in one way that does make me feel for him because obviously yes this man is disturbed there is something wrong with him this is the type of guy that i'm like this man needs to go to a mental facility for the rest of his life he yeah. doesn't need to be in a jail he needs to be in a mental facility and i mean a mental facility not where they're just thrown away you know lock the key throw them away not like that this man needs to be somewhere where he can get some help and some peace in his head. Because if you're looking at this and you're not thinking that that guy is in distress inside of his own head, you're wrong. Like seriously. Oh yeah. I mean, you can, when you, if you, if you watch the video, you can see him and he is, you know, disheveled in many of the times he's very erratic behavior. Sometimes he is out of the country when he isn't, he says he is, but he's not. He's, uh, he has odd, odd behavior. Like, he does need... Did he say that he was out of the country? Did he tell anybody that he was in Paris? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, but he, like, straight up, like, yeah, I'm in Italy on vacation to everybody. While I'm at my, while I'm at my, my, my wife's vigil. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, except for, no, Scott didn't do it. Okay, whatever. But anyway, and the burping. What on earth was he talking about? And the burping. I do know that while he was being interviewed, he had this problem of like, like, like acid refluxy, like belching, like you could hear him doing it, but it's so weird. Like he brings it up and the burping. I don't think he's talking about the burping that he was doing during the interview. I think he was talking about something else. Like, I don't know what he was talking about, but. No, I think it was that. I think, cause I think he thinks that it made him seem like guilty or like not answering it on time. Like that, it was like a delayed in response. Sure, sure. Which sure. he, which he did, and he had difficulty with the questions. But I'm wondering. Okay, here's my thing, Colleen. I'm wondering if he's talking about the burping, like when he was cutting up the bodies, and like when. You, okay, so if you're going to throw the bodies into like the bay, one of the things that you have to do to like make a body body not float is you have to like cut up the lungs so that they won't. And when they do that, there is a burping that comes out. Like it happens. Like, so I'm wondering if that's what he's talking about, but maybe you're right. Maybe he's just talking about the burping in like the fact that he wasn't giving good answers. Well, right. Because he was not intelligent in that aspect. Like he didn't weigh down the bodies properly. Sure. Well, he might have with his wife. You don't know. I mean, true. 
But I mean, it was in New York in the middle of the winter. I don't really know, you know. Who knows where she is. Right. I. That's why I'm like, did he like burn up the body and then burn it again and again and again and again to make ash? Because you can. High heat long periods of time. You sure can. You sure can. Unfortunately, I mean, but there are many people who just like think like, oh God, it's not burning. Well, what do I do? I'm just going to bury it. Like, mm, Chad Daybell. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's, so the Associated Press reports that a March 1999 letter from Durst to Berman, discovered by her stepson and turned over to the filmmakers during their research, provided key new evidence leading to the filing of murder charges. And it is a good um, letter to see. It's about, uh, explains handwriting analysis. And mm-hmm. um, they're able to match it. Uh, with his uh, records. So a few days after the first degree murder warrant was signed by an LA judge in relation to Susan's killing, Durst was then arrested March 14th of 2015 uh, in New Orleans, uh, where, of course, he registers under a false name, Everett Ward. <laughs> Stop with the fake identities, sir. Stop it. He does, it's so funny, though, because like he does, he does like, <laughs> he does this thing where he like gives them false identities but then he does things like so he's tracked in this hotel because he makes two calls to check his voicemail and he was observed wandering aimlessly in the lobby and mumbling to himself having driven to new orleans from houston four days before like this is so he's not like very good at this stuff like no obviously he's gotten away with things for a while he's definitely able to concoct a good story once he's caught but this man is is off the rails i mean he's not he's not there you know well and it's not the only thing they find with him (laughs) they find a 38 revolver loaded with four live rounds and one spent shell casing and police also recovered five ounces of marijuana durst's birth certificate and passport maps of louisiana florida and cuba well maybe he's trying to get at maybe he's taking your advice calling maybe he's fleeing the country now again (laughs) but unintelligently (laughs) they find a flesh-toned latex mask um the fake texas id used to check into the hotel a new cell phone and forty two thousand six hundred thirty one dollars in cash (laughs) <laughs> What's up with him carrying several <laughs> thousand tens of thousands of dollars in cash? I don't know. So please discover a UPS tracking number, which leads them to an additional $117,000 in cash, a pair of shoes in a package sent to Durst by a friend in New York, which was seized after his arrest. Bank statements found in one of Durst's Houston condominiums revealed cash withdrawals of $315 thousand dollars in a little more than a month what in the hell is he doing with all this money well that's like i'm like just leave the country leave the country what are you doing you have the money just go disappear new identity in europe run away go to some asian country anywhere anywhere but hiding out in the country that is arresting you on suspicions and accusations of murder And being caught with lying with fake identities. And so on March 15, 2015, uh, a New York state police investigator who had long been involved with the McCormick case 
and said to have been working closely with the FBI and LA detectives, removed 60 file boxes from Durst's personal papers and effects from the home of Durst's friend, Susan Gordon. Giordano. 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 Susan Giordano in Campbell Hall, New York. All of these items had been sent to Gordiano for safekeeping three years prior by Deborah Lee Chartain, Durst's wife at the time. Also stored at the residence were videotaped depositions of Durst, Durst's brother Douglas, and Chartain, all which were related to the Black case. So he mm-hmm. has sent her mm-hmm. 60 mm-hmm. file boxes of documents. And that's not just, you know, here's a, you know, a file I sent in the mail. This is a whole house worth of moving items in boxes. <laughs> so Los Angeles County District Attorney John Lewin is in charge now of prosecuting Durst. He claims to have found information uncovered by the filmmakers in the HBO documentary and um, it's compelling and he re- and repeatedly flew to New York to interview witnesses, including friends of Durst and Berman. So, I mean, they're, they're getting close and I'm very interested to see what they're going to put on in this new yes. Durst case that is coming up. You know, it's been um, delayed by COVID obviously, but I'm really interested. I, I want to see this guy finally go away. I'm sorry. I know that he's an old man now and he's like, He's very frail. He's very sick. You know, I get it. But I want justice. I want to see something happen. I at least want to know where Kathy is. Like, this is, this right. is, this is enough is enough. Right. I think they could probably convince him to just say everything and, like, spend, you know, his final years in a um, nursing home of some sort. Well, right, like they've got uh, boarding homes for convicts mm-hmm. right out of jail mm-hmm. who have mm-hmm. mental health issues. Right. And it's like having him go to one of those, if they tell him, if he tells them what happened to Kathy, the real truth about Susan uh, and Black and any other mm-hmm. victims. Like, and I think with enough talking to, I think Durst would. I don't think Durst has enough common sense to not talk. Like he full think, on opened up. To I, I think he wants. To, I think he wants to tell the truth. I think he's at a point where I think he wants to get it off his chest. He's an old man. You know, my mom, <laughs> my kids used to be like, "Oh, Granny's this and Granny's that." I'm like, I'm gonna tell you something. Now I love my mom dearly. Okay, but the woman that my children saw is not the woman I grew up with. That woman was trying to get into heaven, and she was a totally different woman. <laughs> Like, you know, like my mom was great. I love my mom. We, but I've been very open about the fact that my mom and I had many, many, many problems, you know, and I suffered a great depression when she died. But I'm telling you what, my mom made amends with my father. You know, I think my mom knew that the end was coming soon. <clears throat> and I think that she wanted to change what she what had happened. You know, she apologized for lots of things. So I feel like this guy is the same way. I feel like he knows his time is running out and I feel like he really does want to get it off his chest. Cause you know, they, I, we never think about that, <coughs> about the fact that they do. Like I was just listening to John Douglas's the killer across the table. And this is all about him going and interviewing, um, you know, serial killers after he's no longer a profiler. So it's, he's got a different thing and he's got different stuff that he can ask them. And several of them did, want to know 
why they did what they did because they didn't understand themselves and they wanted to know, you know, they wanted to tell the truth about what they did. Even Bundy, like he wanted to brag about all the girls that he had killed, even though that was staying his life, but he wanted to tell everything. So I do think that sometimes that that they do really want to do that. Don't you Colleen? I do. I think that, I mean, there's a certain number of people who will, and some people are won't, they want to deny say they didn't or they're very private but Durst isn't that he is very open candid you know with the interviewers throughout the making of the jinx with I think he was a private person in his family life but when it comes to like strangers I think he does like to get some approval and some outside love you know for people from people and I think he would be one of those people who's just going to say, you know, tell the truth. Again, I always talk about uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, he admits it. He talks about it. There are just the people who like, want to come, you know, to the truth about what they've done. And I do believe Durst is one of those who wants to. Um, like, I think that, uh, I don't think he has the mental capability to write a book, but I'm, I want somebody to ghostwrite a book for him. I think you're right because Durst, he actually contacted Andrew Jarecki, who is the producer of the Jinx, because he saw this true crime movie. Now, it wasn't specifically like, okay, it's Durst, but it was. And it was about that life, and it was called All Good Things, which was the name of the um the store that he had when he was doing the health food store, you mm-hmm. know? And so he contacted them and he was so impressed by what they did in that movie, which is interesting because like, how are you impressed by a movie that basically outed you as a murderer? dude? <laughs> and he wanted to work with them to, you know, to, to tell the truth or tell, tell whatever. And I mean, he still ended up being kind of weird about it. Like he, he I don't know, but I think that was an effort in trying to get there, you know? But yeah. He just doesn't have the mental capacity. I don't think he has it. Like, I definitely, there's a war going inside his brain, right? You know? For sure. For sure. So, in 2015, the um, the defense attorney, um, Richard DeGuerin, advises court authorities in New Orleans that his client has waived the extradition and would voluntarily return to California. But later that same day, Louisiana State Police filed charges against Durst for being a felon in possession of a firearm and for possession of a firearm with a controlled substance. So they kind of stall him going to California. All right. And the district attorney, Leon Canizaro, comments that in light of prior convictions that could influence Durst sentencing, just for the gun charges in Louisiana alone, Durst could face up to life in prison. Which is insane. I mean, he's got multiple convictions against him, so he shouldn't have the weapons. And I'm sure they're interested with that one spent shell casing, what he did shoot. And, you know, potentially they're he has killed somebody down there and you know, they're trying to figure out who or if he was involved in it. But I mean, at least potentially there's the, you know, good face charges, at least for something. And so on March 23rd of 2015, Durst was denied bail by the Louisiana judge after prosecutors argued that he was a flight risk. No shit. Well, he hasn't flown yet, though. What the hell, man? I think that he could have flown at any point in time. 
Yeah, no. No shit he's a flight risk. In an effort to hasten his extradition to California and avoid a protracted Louisiana court battle, DeGaron raised questions about the validity of the New Orleans arrest and the hotel room search, pointing out that there was not a warrant by the local judge until hours after Durst was already arrested. Which makes... I mean, that that's, again, if you're going to do something, you got to do it right. And then they're saying that, you know, he, he tries to go on to say that the FBI ho- holds him there incommunicado for almost eight hours. And according to DeGurn, Durst was questioned extensively by a Los Angeles prosecutor and detective without a lawyer present on the morning after his arrest. So in failing to produce the arresting officer's subpoena for a probable cause hearing, Durst attorneys charged that Louisiana prosecutors engaged in a misguided attempt to conceal the facts from the court and the defendant and the public. So Peter Mansfield, an assistant U.S. attorney, said that his office instructed the two FBI agents and arresting officer not to appear, arguing that DeGuerin's subpoena was issued in an attempt to conduct actions against them and their official capacities for the purpose of obtaining testimony, information, and material maintained under the color of the official duties. This is absolute bullshit. Like, they're basically just running around in circles saying, yes. well, my client could be guilty, but because you didn't follow this or that, you know, and this is where I get so angry because really, technically, this guy is bad. Like, seriously, he needs to be off the streets, folks. And basically, it just goes on and on and on and on, you know. And so they get into negotiations with the defense team and ultimately they drop the weapons charges. And so, you know, so Durr's trial on the federal weapons charge was scheduled for September of 21, 2015, but it gets, it gets, Done and Daguerrean confirms rumors that Durst was in poor, poor health, stating that he suffers from hydrocephalus and has a stent put into his skull two years before, as well as spinal surgery and a cancerous mass removed from his esophagus. So this guy is not in good health. But no, and hydrocephalus is fluid around around in, in the brain, which can impact somebody's mental capacity, which can affect you know their memory recall their ability to testify um for and against themselves um and so knowing that he does not have a good neurological health including spinal surgery and cancer in his esophagus which esophageal cancer is one of the most deadly forms of cancer um and which like literally a very very high death percentage rate so it's impressive that he is still alive yeah, yeah, yeah. December 16th of 2015, prosecutors and the defense attorneys, they have a joint motion that scheduling conflicts roll out all the dates before January 11th trial date. And so ultimately they reschedule it again and Durst changes his plea to guilty to the federal gun charge and he receives an 85-month prison sentence. That's so crazy. Easy. So he's originally placed in USP Terre Haute, but he's later transferred to L.A. County Jail so that they can await the trial. Like, basically, I mean, at this point, he, this man is receiving sentences probably past his life expectancy. Yes. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't continue to prosecute. No, they should. They, they need to get, it's justice. you know, yes, it's justice for these people. Like, these are people that died that he killed. And I don't think that he should just get off on an 85-month prison sentence because the man is sick. 
like right no it's being charged and yeah pleading if he's going to plead guilty you know pleading guilty for those crimes so that way the families of the victims receive justice it's on his record you know because right now he yeah he's under suspicion for their deaths and we know he did it but you know legally it hasn't been proven that he did it and everybody deserves their due justice and due process um, and you know, it's his legal right. But when we talk with Cheryl McCollum over on our murder by design page regarding George Floyd, that, you know, she said, you know, it does take some time because if you, you want it done right, you don't want things mm-hmm. to be thrown out. Right. Um, and it ruins justice for the families. Um, right. Right. Of right. the victims as well. Okay. So here we go. So basically he gets sent back to California and they try to stall things, you know, here and there. It's, it's just on and on. But eventually they present enough evidence in pretrial hearings. And there's an extensive t- testimony from a number of witnesses that are older in age because, you know, I mean, he's in his seventies, his friends are going to be in their seventies and they're probably not in great health either. So they, they get all this testimony from people who would potentially not be available for when the trial itself begins. And they finally set a court date for September 3rd of 2019. That happens, you know, they do begin to go through everything. They rule that the prosecutors can present evidence involving the black case and prosecutors will try to connect Berman's death with McCormick's disappearance, which they want to show as the foundation for the motive for Berman's slaying. And in his ruling that prosecutors could use evidence from the Texas case, Judge Wyndham says the killings of Black and Berman seem to be intertwined. So that's pretty big, you know. So there's also an allegation that he used a handgun to carry out the murders. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, they, the murder charge against Durst includes the special circumstance allegations of lying in wait and killing a witness to a crime. So that's Berman. Like, basically, he sat around waiting for her to get there, and he kills her because she knew shit about what he did with his freaking wife. Right. And then in May 2019, a motion filed by Durst attorney claimed that two handwriting samples from the cadaver note from 2000 that informed the police that Berman's body would be in the home. And then a letter in 1999 from Durst to You just yep. said 1999. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. That um, already matched a letter from 1999 from Durst to Berman, along with other evidence from his 2015 arrest at his hotel in New Orleans, were illegally obtained. <laughs> so, again, the back and forth between the sides happens all the time. But Durst's lawyers also claimed that there was a Fourth Amendment violation that would exclude the New Orleans evidence and the search of his hotel room that was unlawful. Wow. Wow. And then they also, they, they also tried to say that there was an elaborate conspiracy theory between the producers of the HBO documentary miniseries The Jinx and law enforcement officers and the law enforcement Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office to make the defendant incriminate himself and to time his arrest to maximize media attention and ratings. Like, seriously, the man contacted Jarecki. It's not like Jarecki was seeking him out. Well, right, and... Are you serious? Nobody's, like, on camera, like, Durst, tell us, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? How did you do it? Like, no, he incriminates himself on a hot mic. Right. And, well, and, and, and they're ignoring the fact, they're blatantly ignoring the fact that in this interview, he is planning to flee the country 
right after crucial evidence connecting him to Susan Berman's murder was wildly publicized on national television. So, I mean, seriously, this dude. Oh. And so he's avoided apprehension for more than 30 years, evading justice and yeah, trying I mean, to this is crazy. So, you know, they do admit that Durst wrote. So in September, we go on, you know, in, in a surprise move on December 24th, 2019, Durst lawyers contradict his previous statements and filed court documents admitting that Durst wrote the cadaver note. So in all previous statements about the note, Durst consistently denied writing the note, although the handwriting appears to be identical to his own, as is the misspelled uh, misspelling of the word Beverly contained in a prior letter to Berman that Durst admitted to authoring. So, I mean, seriously, oh my God. And we actually, it's really funny. I, I don't know what our guest, Thomas Vastrick, actually um, had part in this, but we tried to ask him a little bit about the Durst case when we talked to him about his involvement with the handwriting uh, in the Tiger King, Don Lewis' disappearance, and the, um, you know, the power of attorney that Carol had and that she used to go ahead and move all the assets before he was declared legally dead. And the will that she used, you know, so she had it either way. Like those were both fake. And he, you know, he basically said, hey, I did have something to do with it. So I can't actually talk about it. So I really wish I knew what he had to do with this. Right. And uh, it, I mean, if, if you watch the jinx or if you at least pull up pictures, the handwriting is, is the exact aw. same. And he tries to make excuses about it, um, about how, oh, well, it's just block lettering, like how a typewriter would be. But it's like, no, that's how you write. And it's your, the same way, everybody's handwriting is unique. <laughs> and they compare it to his legal documents, compared right. to his taxes. Well, and I mean, and then they try, like, it's so silly because, like, I mean, in the Jinx, in the Jinx, like, he all but says, you know, he tells people that that, that the person who wrote the cadaver note was taking a big risk because it was something that only the killer could have written. And then he also tells his godson the same thing. Like, the person who wrote the note killed her. But in August of 2019, his attorneys, they decide to argue that what the note demonstrates is that the person who mailed it was aware that there was a body at the house, but not that the individual murdered Susan Berman. Well, how the hell would he know there's a body at the damn house? Well, right, and killer it, it, contact him and say, hey, just wanted to let you know, took care of your friend. Well, right, and the fact that, yeah, he's in California. And, yeah, Durst admitted to two different people that all, only the killer could have written that note. And I was attorney's like, oh, no, they, the person who no, wrote the note no, only no, no, knew no, no, that there was a no, death. No, 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 no. Don't pay. It's, it's kind of like, like the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the, the curtain. He is not relevant. Pay, pay, it's, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this guy, he's gotten away with this for 30 freaking years. He's done almost no time in jail. I mean, for a little bit of time for this or that is not enough. I, it's not for murder charges. Murder of all these people for no freaking reason. Right. It's bail jumping, firearm possession, stealing a sandwich, violating terms of parole. <laughs> stealing a sandwich. That's, That's my favorite part of this. Stealing a sandwich and band-aids just because I wanted to know if I could. Like, I just... It reminds me of Edmund Kemper just saying, well, I killed grandma because I wanted to know how it felt to kill grandma. You know, it's, so I'm just going to do it. Oh, what can I get away with? You know, we're talking about that case over on Murder by Design here in the next couple of weeks. We've got so much going on over there. Guys, we have so much that we are bringing to you right now. I'm super excited about it all. It is 
unbelievable the things that we are doing right now. If you told me a year ago that this is where we would be, I would have laughed at you. Right. And things are just getting bigger from here. So if you haven't already, head on over to our YouTube at Murder by Design. You know, subscribe, like the videos, ring the bell so you can get notifications of when we come out with things, a lot of and, interviews. And if you share it on your social media and you tag us, we are going to draw, have a drawing for a free Good Wives Guide to True Crime t-shirt. Or you can get one of our Love Wins t-shirts, which, which is all about our answer to ushering in peace in this time of chaos and having meaningful conversations about changing systematic things that are wrong in the justice system. So, you know, we, we know that there are good cops, there are bad cops out there that, that muddy up the waters for the good ones, but we are all about trying to usher in peace, and that's what our Love Wins is about, and it's a scholarship fund that we're raising money for. We do have a video on our YouTube channel explaining all about it, and you might be hearing some of the people who enter to win on the podcast and on our on our show over on Murder by Design. So you guys, you definitely want to check all of that out. We've got some amazing stuff going on. Super, super excited. Don't go anywhere. The Good Wives will be right back. Every great podcast needs a great website. Currently, our mother company, Mad Ginger Entertainment, is building their website using Bluehost. Bluehost is one of the best and most affordable web hosting platforms available. Plans start as low as $2.95 a month, and you can even integrate it with WordPress. So if you need your own website or affordable web hosting, grab our discount link in the description and get your podcast a bigger presence online at low, low costs. Hey guys, it's me, Cajun Mama Ty. Yep. I got the band playing again in the background. I hope you guys can hear them. I kind of told, told them to, to, to slow it down just a little bit so that I can think and I can talk and tell y'all the story that I need to tell y'all. So, um, you know, we talked about today, um, bouilli, um, which is um, a French word. Um, for custard and uh, tata bouilli which is a, a custard tart um, which is very common in the Cajun community and they're made by hand and so as a child that was a lot of time that was our treats we ate custard or we had pies um, that our grandparents made which were delicious. But something I really want to talk about is um, I really want to say, you know, kind of make some awareness of what's going on right now. There, right now in, in, the, in May and June, July, August, you know, we have hurricane season, but you know, us in South Louisiana, that's just part of our lives. But it's trawling season. So trawling season starts in the early May and it goes all the way up until like mid-July 
um, that is the, the May season. And then it closes down for several weeks. Then it starts again in August. And then they have the August season, which continues on. So a trawler is a fisherman, but they trawl for shrimp. Um, so, and that's a big thing in my community here in South Louisiana. I have had the pleasure of going trawling a couple of times with a few friends, but as a kid, I was never brought trawling. But I have friends who were trawlers their whole lives and left school early, did things out of, you know, their lives revolved around trolling season. And when, when the season was good, their lives were good. But when the season was bad, it was rough on their parents. It was rough on them now as adults for their own families. The trolling season is kind of dying out um, not this trawling season, people trawling, I guess is what I want to say. It's not as prevalent as what it was back in the day when I was in elementary school, junior high school. So it's a, it's a dying thing, kind of like our Cajun heritage, our Cajun music, our Cajun, you know, everything. So, today I want to give a big shout out to all my friends and family who are trawlers, who live on the water, live, breathe, and do everything by trawling season. I pray that they have happy, healthy, and wonderful season that is plenty not only for them but plenty for us a lot of shrimp in our bellies thank you guys I will see you again and have a good day bye so and if you think that was enough for one floundering real estate guy that is on a murderous spree it's not. <laughs> of course it's not. It's never over. And wait, there's more. more. Days after the Berman murder, police were reportedly examining connections between Durst and the disappearance of 18-year-old Lynn Schultz from Middlebury, Vermont, and 16-year-old Karen Mitchell from Eureka, California. So investigators, investigators are also looking into a possible connection between Durst and the disappearance of 18-year-old Kristen Monteferi, who was last seen in San Francisco in 1997. So, I mean, guys, this guy, he, he is killing like a madman. Uh, well, and throughout the decades, you know, he's not hiding it. And somehow he's getting away with it. Right. So Schultz was a Middlebury College freshman. She actually visited Durst's health food store on December 10th of 1971, which is the day she disappeared and was last seen that afternoon near a bus stop across from the store. So that's the last time anybody sees her is mm -hmm. by Durst's store. Surprise. 
Oh, so DeGuerin characterized the Schultz investigation as just opportunistic, and he says that he was not going to permit his client to be questioned by the Vermont police. And an author and investigative journalist, Matt Birkbeck, reported in 2003, and again in his 2015 book, A Deadly Secret, the credit card's records placed Durst in Eureka on November 25th, 1997, the day Mitchell vanishes. Mitchell had volunteered in a homeless shelter that Durst frequented. Which, know. again, because he isn't a millionaire and decides well, he because he's to go on to the run shelter. as a mute woman, right? So, you well, know. Just, but now he's in Eureka, California, playing a homeless person, going to a soup kitchen when he can afford Beverly Hills five star dining. Right. Well, Durst dresses in women's clothing and he visits the Eureka shoe store owned by Mitchell's aunt. And Mitchell was last seen walking to work from her aunt's store and possibly speaking to someone in a stopped car and a witness sketch of Mitchell's presumed abductor resembles Durst. So, and although the FBI ultimately cannot connect Durst to the Long Island serial murders in which some victims were disposed of in a similar manner to the black killings, the Bureau created an informal task force in 2012 to work with investigative agencies and jurisdictions where Durst was known to have lived in past decades, including Vermont, New York, and California. So this man has gone on a killing spree that nobody can get him on. This is so infuriating. Well, and it's not even like he's a good killer, but he's just getting away with with it. it. Like, I I don't understand this. Like, how? I, I guess, you know, it goes back to having money and being able to hire a good lawyer. And, you know, I mean, if you have a good lawyer... Well, and he's got the money to travel. So, like, he's right. going to different parts of the country, flying. So we don't have any information obscure. about him. Right. And these are back in the day when we didn't have, you know, massive tracking systems and things like that. Like, there wasn't anything in 1997, for heaven's sakes, you know. We didn't have that stuff. And well, in, in 1971, like, I mean. Right. It was really, free. Right. You it was know? You know, free. And especially in California. Like, we always talk about California in the 70s. Right. Like, well, at that point, I think he was in Vermont, but I mean, still, it's just... Ugh. Well, and so the wake of the recent arrest, the FBI has encouraged localities to re-examine cold cases, obviously, because Durst has some weird connections. Right. So the Texas private investigator, Bobby Vaca, has also traced Durst operating under stolen identities in Texas, <laughs> Florida, Massachusetts, New Jersey, South Carolina, Mississippi, and Virginia. I mean, seriously, come Half on Half the now. country. And if you steal somebody's ident- identities, you have their driver's license, you did something. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. The amount of things that this man has done and gotten away with, it, it brings me back to that whole thing about affluenza and how it's not a real thing, but yet it's a real thing. Because these people, they do this shit, and they just think they can get away with it because they have money. And... And, you know, he just is like a grifter, but yet he's a, he's a moneyed grifter. So he comes and he goes and he leaves and it's just, it's this craziness. And, and I just, I, I really can't wait to see what happens in this new trial. Well, so I think a lot of stuff is going to come out. Right. I do too. And I'm interested in the whole Long Island serial killer aspect. Yeah. Um, because that is somebody who is believed to have murdered 10 to 16 people over the course of 20 years. Right. Right. And, and he does come and go. He comes and goes. He comes and goes. He comes and goes. Right. He's like, available in those 20 years. Mm-hmm. He's in New York. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that sounds about the right MO. Right. It, 
Highly suspicious. Highly suspicious. I just want somebody to, like, give him that opportunity waiver of you can spend, you know, your last few years in this, you know, group nursing home for convicts with mental health if you tell us, you know, where Where the the bodies are. are. And who you killed. (laughs) Right. Like, seriously, like, who exactly did you kill and where are these fucking bodies? Like, seriously? And and don't bullshit about it. No. No, like, oh, well, I only did these three. Like, no, we know you did more. You know, black, like the judge said, that was an expertly cut up body. Well, the Long Island serial killer's bodies were also cut up, so got some practice going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was thinking about it. It's so funny that this, this, this is the story we covered this week. I was laying in bed last night and I put on a movie. It's called um, The Kitchen. And it's about these three women who their husbands are, you know, um, Irish mobsters. And they go away for three years. And these women take over running this, right? Well, one of the girls, she was like a woman who his husband had been very abusive to her. And so um, there's a scene in it where the guy that was working for her husband who had left at one point in time, he comes back to take care of her, you know, to help her and everything because he actually loves her other than the husband. But this is, and this isn't going to ruin the, the, the thing for you if you haven't watched The Kitchen. However, I do recommend it. It is a good movie. But he's actually showing her, like, how to cut up the body. Like, and he's showing her, like, okay, so you've got to go into the back of the knee, and then you've got to come up this way, and then you've got to do this, and then you break the leg, and then you can cut here. And if you're going to cut, you know, if you're going to throw them in a bay, you got to cut the, the thing. It was very interesting to me because I was thinking of this case the whole time. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because... There is not, I mean, he wasn't a doctor. He's not trained. So the, how do you get proficient like that? You practice. Practice makes perfect, right? Yes. How does anybody get good at something? They practice. They practice. Right. You know, when you go to be a doctor, you practice on cadavers for Mm -hmm. many years. You have to perform, you know, on dead people before you get to practice on the live people. Right. And you have right. to get, you know, as a resident under permission and under the shadow of a few other attending mm-hmm. before you're allowed to just be the attending. You have to train. Right. And so him cutting up Black's body like a weirdo expert, not mm-hmm. the first time. Well, and then you have to think about the situation with the dog. So his brother says that he had seven dogs. He doesn't agree. He, he, he says he didn't, but his brother, I believe his brother in this situation. And he's saying that the dogs all mysteriously died. And he thought that the dogs, you know, were like a precursor for figuring out how to kill Kathleen. Right. Well, I'm thinking about that. Well, what is every serial killer? What, what is one of the things that they do when they're younger? Right. They kill animals. Yes. So this fits into the idea that this man is a serial killer. He's not just killing people just because he killed his wife and he got away with it and he's getting rid of people. He is a serial killer. That is mm-hmm. my opinion. My opinion. Hashtag uh, my opinion. I, I 100% agree. Durst is a serial killer. Hashtag yeah. Durst is a serial killer. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, anyway, this case is so weird. And it just gets weirder every turn. Like now we're talking about half the country. Right, where he was all over the place. But like you said, again, I don't understand why he didn't leave. I I don't know, man. <laughs> Arrogance. Yeah. Arrogance. Arrogance. What are you saying? He wanted to see what he could get away with. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to kill him. Of course they had to die. Yeah, of course. Of course I killed them. Like, 
killed them all, of course. Killed, killed them, them all. all, of course. That is indicated. You got to think about that. He didn't say, you know, like. Had to kill her. I had to kill her or even like the way, I don't know, the way I heard when he said it and I heard him say it, it was like, I killed them all. Like there was a lot of all. Yes. It wasn't just three people. It was a lot of all. (laughs) Right. Because it's not like he, you know, he does, it's not even like in the interview, they're really much talking about Kathy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really more just talking about Susan. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, of course she had to die. Right. Horse killed them all. Her. Her. Horse, no, he, horse killed Black, you know? No. Had to kill them all. Right. Right. And that indicates that it wasn't self-defense with him and Black. They didn't get in some scuffle and he shoot his head off. Like, really? Okay. Yep. I could buy they get in some scuffle and, like, there's a shot to the chest or to the stomach or something like that. And he dies. Okay, I get it. But to the head? Really? No. To the head, a scuffle, and to the head? That is not a scuffle. That is a precise headshot. That is no, no, no. Right. Okay. Anyway, you know, crazy case, guys. Go watch The Jinx if you want to learn more because it's super, super good. And, you know, keep coming back because we've got some really good stuff about all of this. We're going to have some really great cases coming up. We're going to talk about Jody Arias. We're going to talk about um, Scott Peterson, like we said. We're going to cover Drew Peterson at one point. Guys, we've got some really good stuff to wrap up this season going through August. I'm super excited about it. I know Colleen is. And Christina, who couldn't join us tonight, has been having horrible issues with her teeth. But she will be back, and we will be discussing way more cool stuff. Thanks so much for tuning in and dishing true crime with the good wives. Don't forget to join our Patreon member club to get the full recipe shared tonight, inside documents and pictures from the case, bonus mini-podcast episodes, live YouTube discussion and exclusive invitation to our discussion group on Facebook and get some amazing Good Wives merch. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at True Crime Wives. And for more inside information, check us out on YouTube at Murder by Design, where we're currently talking about a few different true crime cases from bullying murders to serial killers. We dish it all. Have a good one from the Good Wives, serving up true crime, one dish at a time. <laughs>